0: Hey, unnaturalists! I'm Emily.
1: I'm Andy.
0: And welcome back to your favorite true crime podcast, Unnatural.
1: New mic guard edition.
0: Yeah. So if I do for some reason sound different, it is because I have a different. I have It's fuzzy. I'm touching it right now. Yeah. (laughs) Hear that?
1: (laughs) I like it. It suits your personality. It does. You're just kind of a fuzzy person, so I don't know what that means.
0: <laughs> I don't know either. I, I do shave my legs though, so oh, I'm not okay. that That's kind good. of fuzzy. <laughs> so today we are traveling on over to the west, and this story takes place in early 2003 when two divorcees met each other and quickly fell in love. They got married and were living a pretty lavish life. They both were well off financially independently and then that just kind of increased when they were together. But by the time 2014 rolled around, things had changed drastically and gone to a very dark place that resulted in one of them seeking a hitman for the other. This is the story of Terry Thomas and the killer counselor. In 2003, Terry Thomas had decided to join the dating scene once again following his divorce. Um, He got on a dating app and he was on there for a little while when he met Cynthia Guy. Now, Cynthia was very educated. She had a degree in petroleum engineering from Colorado State. Wow, Um,
1: it's a hell of a degree.
0: Yeah, I don't even know what you would do with that.
1: Petroleum engineering.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: So, so she she makes oil move around the world, it sounds like.
0: Sure. I didn't I didn't look too deeply into it because that's like not what she was doing with her career, but she also had a degree in math from Casper College. She had her bachelor's degree in social work from my Wyoming. And I saw she also had a master's degree from Florida State. So wow. She bounced
1: around a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Couldn't be me. Um, And Terry, I don't really know what his education background was, but he had a very good job um, as like a higher up salesperson. So he worked in sales. Now, when the pair met on the dating app, they messaged back and forth for about a week bonding over their respective divorces and became pretty close. Um, They both had you know, pretty good senses of humor, so they liked to make each other laugh. And they did end up meeting and they quickly realized how much fun they were able to have together. And their romance really blossomed very quickly because they ended up getting married just seven months later.
1: Whoa not a good idea i would say i'm basing you know, that off personal experience
0: not yeah. the marriage
1: part but just the rushing into things
0: yeah well and we've talked about a couple cases here where it's kind of a similar like they meet they fall in love they get married super quickly um now all of these things don't end up always in murder or murder for hire plots but even if they don't like the whole the whole Falling in love and getting married in less than a year thing is just like, not for me.
1: Yeah, because remember, you got to be with somebody for at least a year before you really know the real them. Like somebody can keep that guise up for a while before yeah, the cracks start to show. And you're like, oh, that's who you really are Mm -hmm. after your first big fight or something.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they did get married and they had a pretty great marriage at first. Terry was just Absolutely over the moon when they had gotten married, and um, you know, both of them just kind of would talk about how in love they were. She had a couple of children, so he had become really close with her kids. They did lots of traveling together. Now, at this point in time, Cynthia was working as a therapist uh, specializing in addiction. Um, her patients said that she was a great therapist. She was always upbeat and positive and seemed to like really truly want to help her patients when they were struggling. She wanted them to better themselves. And uh, a lot of her patients were actually court ordered to see her through like a drug court type thing. But for the most yeah. part, they all really liked her. Um, at this point in time, Terry was working as a fuel sa- salesman. So like I mentioned, he was bringing in some pretty big bucks, um, like he had a six-figure income and being a therapist, I mean, she wasn't making as much money as he was, but they were still living very comfortably. Um, they each owned several properties, rental properties, and he had owned a couple before marrying her and they both really just seemed to enjoy the finer things in life. I think it was like four or five years into the marriage was when things really started to unravel, as you might imagine, being that you got married within seven months. So Terry said that Cynthia had started to change and he described her behavior as like a Jekyll and Hyde type personality. Uh, He said that she would just kind of like flip a switch and lose her temper in an instant, which is interesting considering she's a therapist, you'd think that she would at least learn some coping mechanisms on how to handle anger. But
1: I've heard therapists aren't the easiest people to be married to. Now, I don't have any experience in that. Maybe it's because once you're away from your job, you just let it all hang out. Yeah,
0: maybe you but let that
1: aggression out. But I, I would think
0: like when you're a therapist, like you, you are trained to help people who might be dealing with that same type of personality. thing. Yeah. So you have
1: every tool in the toolbox. Yeah. And a
0: lot of therapists have therapists. So it's like, right. I don't know. Anyway, tensions really began to rise and shit really kind of hit the fan when Terry was offered a job that would require him to move about three hours away. And Cynthia was like, nope, I'm not leaving my job. I'm not leaving this this house. I'm not transferring my kids to a different school. And she, I mean, she was also like, along with her job, she was also really involved in the community. And she just like did not want to move, which I guess- It's
1: a big decision. Yeah, it
0: is a big decision. And it kind of sounds like, I mean, well, Terry did take the job. And he moved to Cheyenne, Wyoming in 2008- And um, he bought a home there. He bought one. It's not like he was renting a house or like renting an apartment. Like he bought a house, which Hmm. didn't help their marriage at all. But they had thought that maybe some time apart would be good for them. But spoiler alert, it wasn't. In this case, absence did not make the heart grow fonder.
1: If there was already some cracks in the foundation. Yeah. Probably not the best scenario.
0: This happened in 2008 when he moved, but it sounds like I mean he was still coming back, you know, to visit and to to be there with her and the kids. I don't know how often. In uh, 2010, Cynthia went and bought a new house in Casper for her and her kids. So Casper is where they lived originally, and then Terry went and moved to Cheyenne with this new job. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if I really clarified that.
1: Okay. They're all just buying new houses, but not living together. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Right. The relationship was really devolving into constant arguments over the phone. Neither of them really seemed to be happy any longer. And uh, Terry kind of knew that, all right, this just is not going to work, obviously. So in 2012, he filed for divorce. There was a lot of dispute on how to split their assets um, because they both had a lot of stuff together, a lot of properties, vehicles, money, you know, what have you. So what ended up happening was that Terry would keep his home in Cheyenne, Which he had purchased for $775,000 and he had uh, like over $200,000 in equity at that point in time. So he was able to keep that and he also kept his two rental properties that he owned before the marriage. They decided they would sell the home in Casper and split the money evenly. So this home in Casper was the one that they. Um, had owned and lived in together when they first got married. Mm -hmm. Also, their bank accounts were divided, like each kept their respective bank accounts, and Cynthia was able to keep her retirement and her pension, but she also was awarded 40% of Terry's retirement assets, so she got just under $82,000. And um, Terry was also supposed to pay $20,000 towards Cynthia's student debt. And um, Terry, on the other hand, got uh, $26,000, and he also kept four of the vehicles that they owned together. Like, that's all. <laughs> that's it. See,
1: the richer you are, the more complicated a divorce is. It's a huge hullabaloo. Yeah. It is. If you ain't got shit, then it's not a big problem. But if you're rich, right. then it is.
0: <laughs> well, and like from where I'm standing, Cynthia made it out of this pretty... Darn good. Yeah. And so did Terry. I mean, yeah, he had to give her a little more. He had to pay money towards her student debt, which I mean, if he's out here buying multiple properties, like over half a million dollars. Can afford it. Then, yeah, I pocket change, I would assume. But I also know that rich people are they tend to be very stingy mm-hmm. with their money. Frugal. But yeah. They like I had mentioned earlier, they were well off individually before. And you know, Cynthia got a lot out of divorce, the divorce. So you think that she really didn't have much to complain about? Most probably wouldn't complain, but you would be wrong because she complained a lot. Um, she complained so much that she went to file an appeal for the divorce decree and alleged that the court was biased against her in the way the assets were divided and it wasn't fair basically and i think this is just like an aside but no matter what your financial status is get a fucking prenup yeah okay get a prenup i don't care but i think i think that it wasn't so much about Honestly, I don't think she really felt like it was super unfair, but I think that she just wanted to hurt him, you know? She wanted to win. Yeah, she wanted to win. She wanted more. She wanted him to lose everything.
1: Sometimes egos get involved in these divorce proceedings, too.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, But in 2014, the Wyoming Supreme Court upheld the original decree and the division of the assets. So then the divorce was final. Now, Cynthia continued to be very loud about how unhappy she was with how the divorce went down, how it was going. She would tell pretty much anyone who would listen how she felt and how she felt she was being treated unfairly. And now she was super stressed over her money and she thought she was going to be homeless. And, you know, Terry just like didn't care about any of that. And she really didn't want to give up the lifestyle that she had gotten used to. And now, I mean, like, I obviously don't know her i don't know what their relationship was like with their friends co-workers family but like you'd think that one of them would at least just be like look bessie like shut up
1: yeah you're gonna be fine you got like a million degrees you you can make money so easily yeah you're gonna be fine yeah this is yeah. a temporary setback but obvious that that's what happens when you get divorced yeah that's why you don't get married like us
0: yeah <laughs> and like it's not it's not the end of the world But Cynthia, however, seemed like it was the end of the world for her. And unbeknownst to anybody, she was already headed down a very, very dark path. Uh Uh-oh. Cynthia is now about to kind of lose control, basically. The best way to deal, she felt that the best way to deal with not getting her way was to have her husband murdered with the help of one of her patients.
1: Oh no, this, this is, obviously this isn't gonna end well, but you should be able to say that to yourself in your head before you come to the conclusion that you're going to do something like this, you should be able to, you know, maybe you fantasize about it, about it, but then you're like, okay, I could never actually do that.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, you're pissed off. Like there has been several instances where I've been really pissed off at someone for something. I'm you know, like, Oh my God, like I'll fucking kill him, you know, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna actually, I'm not gonna,
1: actually kill somebody. Right. Or you're you not know? actually gonna hire a hitman.
0: Right, I have money for that. <laughs> <laughs> and even if I did, I wouldn't be using it for a hitman. Right. So Cynthia had just the patient in mind for this. Um the patient in question had been court ordered to attend sessions with Cynthia and she was a she was in a very vulnerable place in her life. She was struggling with drugs. She had lost custody of her kids. So part of the deal to get um, her kids back, or the the patient I'm talking about here. So um, part of the deal to get custody back of her kids was she had to complete a therapy program. Now, Cynthia, obviously being the therapist, knows this woman is desperate to get her kids back you know she knows a lot of intimate details about her life and you know she thinks that this lady will probably do pretty much anything she has to do in order to get her kids back so so so
1: she's the therapist she's supposed to be helping this woman resolve her problems and be in a better mental health state but instead she's using her to become a hit woman
0: sort of just wow. just wait we're we're about to get into it. So, during one of their therapy sessions, uh Cynthia had learned that this woman apparently had connections to the Mexican cartel from like earlier in her life, and she want Cynthia wanted to be able to use those connections to take a hit out on Terry. So uh, Cynthia tells the patient if she doesn't help her find and hire a hitman, that she would have her sent back to jail and she wouldn't sign off on the papers of her completing the therapy program and she would never get her kids back.
1: So like, blackmail.
0: Um, yeah. Wow. Blackmail. I mean, like, I'm, I'm in therapy, right? Um, I could not, like, I, like, can you imagine sitting in a chair? Confessing your deepest, darkest secrets to your therapist. And then one day they just sit down and they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, cool. Listen, you're going to help me carry you a hit or I'm sending you back to prison. What?
1: <laughs> I tell you what, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> Forget about all the bullshit you're dealing with. You're going to help yep. me like, or else I'm going to make your life even worse.
0: Like that scene from Loki where she's just like, yes, very sad. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So the patient is obviously like, what the fuck? And I'm guessing like she had to be super confused and didn't really know what to do next. So she kept her cool and she was like, yeah, so, well, I have this cousin Frankie that I could call about something like this. Um, And she said, like she told Cynthia that, you know, like she would call cousin Frankie and like try and get something figured out. Just kind of like trying to be like, okay, this bitch is fucking crazy. I got to get out of here. So, uh, when the patient left her office that day, she like immediately called the police. Wow. And um, when the police first heard this, they were like, hmm, a well-respected therapist. Blackmailing a client to carrying out a hit sounds doubtful. They were doubtful. Mm. They didn't know really if they should believe it or not. They thought that maybe the patient was delusional or perhaps she had some sort of like personal beef against Cynthia. But to their credit, they wanted to check it out just to be sure. Yeah. So special agent Tina Trimble and um, officer Sarah Nelson were assigned to the case and they asked the patient if she would be willing to wear a wire during her next session with Cynthia mm. and try to get her to talk about the plan um, to have her ex-husband murdered. So um, now like when she was wearing the wire, the two officers like had to be in close relatively close proximity so they could listen in. So these women had to like hide in like a janitor's closet.
1: Oh my god! During
0: the session, so they would be able to hear the conversation between Cynthia and the patient, and meanwhile, like a handful of officers are lying in wait outside because they had no idea like what was going to happen if something was going to go down. So, I mean, you gotta you gotta commend them for really yeah. doing their due diligence on this one because
1: I'm surprised this hasn't been a lifetime movie yet. Or maybe it has. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I don't know if it has, but there, <laughs> it, there's, there's a like, there's a documentary episode. The patient was like, "Don't worry, guys, I got this." She's wearing her wire. She walks into the ses- the session just like normal, and I mean, like, like I just said, there's a documentary episode of um. But also, you can find the recordings on YouTube. Really? And like, yeah, if you want to take a listen to it, and I was, su- oh, I, I was do. super blown away. I was super blown away by this woman's ability to just like act normal while she's talking with her therapist yeah. about carrying out a hit on her husband. She goes into the office. She asks Cynthia about this file that Cynthia had shown her before or talked about or something. Um, and in this file, had a bunch of information about Terry. So, it's like anything you're like everyday hitman would want, you know, there was photos of Terry, his address, the address of where he works. Um, there was like a layout of the house. And so when Cynthia goes, this is what kills me. When Cynthia goes to get the file out of wherever she was storing it, she put gloves on and she's talking to the patient about how, oh, I'm putting on gloves because I don't want to leave my prints or DNA on the folder. So, and then she's like, she's, she asks the, the patient, do Clorox wipes work for clearing away fingerprints? And the patient is like, oh, I don't know, you know, maybe, but I know, she's like, I know something else works to get rid of fingerprints. So, Cynthia has clearly planned this out. Yeah, that's (laughs) premeditation. Yeah, she knows what she is doing is very illegal. So um, then she goes on to talk about how she wants the hit to look like a suicide. And she already has her alibi planned out. She said that she was either going to be at work or like over at Macy's. Um, Now, remember, the police are listening in during this whole thing. So they're probably like, what the
1: fuck? They're probably like we got her. We fucking got her.
0: Well, they're they're building a case yeah. because what they really want from the patient and from Cynthia is for her to talk about wanting to set up a meeting with cousin Frankie. So what they did was they they had a Hispanic officer who agreed to go undercover and act as Frankie? Um, they had a burner phone set up for Cynthia or the patient to call and set up the meeting, and they also wanted that exchange of payment, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they uh, they got Cynthia to talk about money and actually. Um, you know, making a meeting. So the patient calls. So I'm just, here's an aside. When I talk about Frankie, I'm talking about the undercover officer right, the posing cop. as Frankie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the patient calls Frankie um, and she's like, uh, hey, cuz I have a friend here who needs a favor. Um, you got to go to this address and, you know, take care of the guy. If you know what I mean, you know, wink, wink, ha ha. So during the call, um Cynthia said that she had $4,000 to spend on a hit and she agreed to meet Frankie and give him half of the money up front and then she would give him the other half once it was done. So
1: Which side po- note, 4 grand does not seem like enough to off somebody.
0: No, I wouldn't think so.
1: I mean, it's got to be at least 20 or something.
0: You would think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about Hitman and murder for hire, so you know maybe maybe that's like the going rate for Wyoming. Maybe who knows? Yeah. Anyway, so now the police are obviously like, okay, this is legit. So they really start digging into Cynthia's um, past and everything, and they discover that she had reached out to another patient of hers. Wow! To have her husband killed. This patient had some family members who had been convicted of murder, like a sibling or a cousin or something. And so basically, like Cynthia just hears these people's stories and is like, oh yeah, I can use this to benefit me, which is just super Unbelievable. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. So now they know there's multiple okay, and also an aside keep in mind, Terry doesn't know any of this at this point.
1: Yeah. He has He's no just idea. living his life. He's living his life as a freely a free, newly divorced okay. man. Yeah. Probably happy to be away from her.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, the police also didn't really know what their dynamic was like. So they didn't want to let him in on it too early. Um, You know, just in case like maybe he said something to Cynthia or, you know, whatever. But now that they know that there are multiple people, multiple patients involved, the police are are worried that there there may be others she had contacted or even hired to to kill terry so they're like okay these threats are credible we need to protect terry so the fbi shows up at terry's home and he's like what so he's absolutely shocked when he realizes that his ex-wife has taken out a hit on him basically but um he did tell as anybody would be well yeah and he did tell um police that like a few years before they had gotten divorced during one of their fights cynthia said um, she would kill him or have him killed, which I'm sure at the time, you know, just like we were talking about, he didn't take it seriously. You know, he thought it was probably just a heat of the moment. She's mad. She's yelling. Well, the FBI is like, all right, you're coming with us. They got him in a hotel to keep him safe. Um, he was insistent that he bring his own handgun with him just like, so he could have that peace of mind. Um, but even still like they, they over the next um, few weeks they they moved him into a new hotel every few days. You know he also couldn't really go to work. He couldn't tell his family or friends what was going on. Yeah. So basically, in like a witness protection program type thing. But now, so we're gonna fast forward a little bit to the time where Cynthia is about to have her meet up with Frankie. Now, this is in like May of 2014, and um. You know, she's like, all right, we're going to meet up. I'll give you the $2,000. You kill Terry. We'll discuss the details. And the police and the FBI are like, okay, we got one shot at this. We can't fuck it up. So Cynthia was supposed to meet Frankie at this gas station about an hour and a half away from where she lived and the deal was was that she was going to get into Frankie's car so they could talk. Now obviously Frankie is an undercover officer so the the car is outfitted with cameras and microphones and the police and a SWAT team are also on standby close by just in case something goes down and frankie said that he had never done anything like this before he was a he was a narcotics officer so he was super nervous because he didn't know what to expect this lady is clearly crazy it's like she's gonna meet up like she's she wants to take out a hit on her husband you know yeah so who knows like what she's what her
1: mindset is like
0: yeah um but when the time came that they were supposed to meet up Cynthia was nowhere to be found. So they're all just kind of waiting around, like, did, did she Cold get spooked? Feet. Did she change her mind? Um, but after a while she did eventually call Frankie and she was like, Hey, look, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm late, I'm on my way. So eventually she did arrive at the gas station alone and she sat in her car for several minutes and then she called Frankie and was like, Look, something doesn't feel right. We need to go to a different spot. Hmm. So the officers that are just kind of like waiting nearby are like, shit, the, this wasn't part of the plan, but we can't get, a, we can't let her get away. We can't let her know the jig is up. So um, she and Frankie drive to this other location and the officers are being like as stealth as they can be. And they make it out there and kind of, you know, park far away, but close enough where they can still see everything that's going down. And they're also talking about having
1: to do this on the fly, too. Yeah. Wow
0: so yeah so they get to this other location Cynthia gets in Frankie's car and she's like super nervous when she got into the fo- into the car which like duh mm-hmm. um and she was being pretty quiet and Frankie is like all right like I gotta get her to talk and he's like my man he's he just sits there and he looks at her and he's like, well you're not a cop trying to set me up are you which is nice. just like like a genius move because reverse made,
1: psychology.
0: Yeah, because that just like made her stop thinking that he could potentially be a cop.
1: Yeah, put her at ease.
0: Yeah, so then she chills out a little bit and things got down to business. So she pulled out this file with all of Terry's information that we talked about: layout of the home, pictures, you know, like what his schedule is. You know, da da da. And she also starts ranting about why she wants her husband dead and how she and her kids are gonna be homeless. And Terry is a selfish prick, blah blah blah. And Frankie's just like, man, like I don't really care. Like I'm just here to do a job, you know? Yeah. And he starts asking her about like what like does she want it to be messy? What does she want it to look like? How does she want it done? And she said, like, she doesn't want to know the details. She doesn't care about how he's killed. She just wants it done. She's like, you know, in an ideal world, I would want it to look like a suicide or a drug overdose. But the less I know, the better. And he's like, you know, he's like, all right. And he's like, yeah, well, we'll get it done. And she's also like, she's still a little paranoid. She's looking around. And she does actually end up noticing the FBI van sitting nearby. What? Yeah, which she, I mean, she couldn't see. But, like, there were snipers in there, like. Trained on her. But Frankie. I can't
1: believe they were so close. I mean. Well,
0: and in the video, because you could like, this is in the documentary. It's on YouTube. It looks like they're kind of in just like a, like a parking lot by some train tracks. So there are just like random vehicles that are not the police kind of like parked around. Yeah. Um, But I don't know if she ended up like seeing someone in the vehicle or whatever. But Frankie is like. Look, like, don't worry about it. You know, like, we're fine. Like, nobody's out here watching us. And she kind of is like, all right. So she gets out the $2,000, she hands it to Frankie. And then they started talking about how she would know when the hit was carried out and when to pay him the other half. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: um, they suggested that he would text her, Hey, meet me at the gym. And then when she got that text, she would know it was done and to meet him and give him the rest of the money. So now police like had plenty to arrest her on, but they still yeah. wanted to give her one last chance to back out. So Terry told her, hey, look, 24 hours, this is going to be done. So like once you get out of this car and leave, like there's no turning back. So like you need to be sure because I'm going to do this. And uh, Cynthia is like, nope, I'm good with it. And she she literally told Frankie, quote, don't fuck it up.
1: She wanted that shit done.
0: Yeah. But how are you going to tell someone who you believe is a hitman and a member of the Mexican mafia, don't fuck this up? Like, (laughs) the balls on this bitch. She's
1: got some cojones. Yeah.
0: So she gets out of the car. She gets in her own car. She leaves. Police are obviously following her. And they, at this point in time, they just want to get more evidence. They maybe want to give her a little bit more time for her to back out of this. Because they know at this point, like Terry's safe, right? Yeah. He's good. Um, so they're really just trying to, to give her the benefit of the doubt, really. So Cynthia leaves and she just goes about her day as normal. And then the next morning at about 4 a.m., you know, a little under or a little over, I don't know, 24 hours later, Frankie sends her the text knowing that Terry got got. He sent her the text, meet me at the gym. So now um, the police are like, they kind of come up with this plan that they're going to walk up to her door to like um, how they would normally to notify someone of a death. Mm -hmm. So um, they walk up to the door and they're like, Hey, I hate to tell you this. You know, we got some bad news, Terry, your ex-husband is dead. And, you know, she like puts her hands over her eyes. She starts fake crying. <laughs> She's acting distraught. And the officers are like, um, you know, why don't you come down to the station, answer a couple questions, see if we can't figure out what happened. And she agrees. And, you know, they're like, Well, you know, you shouldn't be driving in this condition. Why don't you just get in the car with us? We'll take you down there and then we'll bring you home later. Nice. So um, they get her down there, they put her in an interview room, and she, she pretty quickly realizes that something is up. So yeah. um, the officers sit down and they reveal the truth about why she's there, and they confront her about, hey, did you hire a Hispanic man to kill your husband? And she's like, what, me? No. No. <laughs> you uh, kidding what me? Are, what are you talking about? No, I didn't do that. And then they're like, well, we know you did. And then one of the officers is like, and by the way, Terry, he's alive and well, he's not dead. So then she's just kind of like, what the fuck? And like really before she has much time to process what just happened to her, she is um, placed under arrest for solicitation to commit first degree murder. Boom. Yep. Got her. So, uh, you know, she's going
1: to need a therapist.
0: Yeah, sh- yeah, yeah, and you know she tried to do the whole "I didn't know what I was doing, I wasn't competent." And- no, no,
1: no, no, it's all on tape.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention: while she was in the car with Frankie, still, she said that she had been planning this for six months.
1: Oh. But remember, she didn't know what she was doing.
0: Yeah, no. She didn't know. She didn't know. And like they did have some competency hearings. It was determined that she knew good and well what she was doing, so she would face trial. Um, But then in March of 2016, she ended up pleading guilty to the lesser charge of solicitation to commit aggravated kidnapping. And she would be sentenced to 20 to 25 years. Mm. So now, um, you know, Terry, this poor guy, has spoken out a few times since and- You know, he said that he's still like paranoid and anxious and he has a really hard time trusting people. But he said he still hasn't given up on love, which I think I would.
1: Can you imagine if you're on a date and they're like, okay, so you said something vaguely that there was something weird about your ex-wife? What happened? Well...
0: She know, tried to
1: kill me. <laughs> or
0: you know when people ask those just kind of like innocuous, like, like what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? Like, well, buckle up, buddy, because have I got a story <laughs> for you?
1: Oh, my God.
0: Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, wow. yes, she pleads guilty. She sentenced to 20, 20 to five years. And Cynthia's lawyers were... You know, advocating still for a lighter sentence due to her lack of criminal history and that she was under great emotional distress over the divorce, but it's like, no. She said Mm -hmm. she had been planning it for six months. Like, yeah, getting divorced sucks. You lose a house. You lose maybe a car. But he's still gonna pay off your fucking student debt. You still got a good chunk of change. Like, shut the fuck up. So anyway, um, Cynthia was like, yeah, you know, like all this bad stuff was happening and it just snowballed and it got out of control. And she, she said she, quote, temporarily lost her, her moral compass. At for course.
1: six months.
0: Yeah. And she um, she apologized to her kids. She apologized to her coworkers. She apologized to the community. But do you think she apologized to Terry? No. Nope. No. Oh, wow. She didn't. Like, wow. Okay, Cynthia. All right.
1: Cool. Still holding that grudge, yep. even from behind bars.
0: Yeah. So she is now 61 years old and an inmate at the Wyoming Women's Center. And she um, will be eligible for parole in October of 2027 with a tentative release date of February 2031. And with that, our story for today. And <laughs> Wow.
1: That was a good one. I feel I know, like I right? vaguely heard about that when it happened, but it's been so many years that I had forgotten about it.
0: Yeah, well, because I re- I remembered seeing news articles about it and the footage right. when she's sitting in the car with Frankie was very public.
1: Well, that was good. Hey, you know what? Justice won in the end in that one.
0: Yeah, nobody, nobody died, which is weird for us, but I thought it was still a fun. It's a rarity. Uh, yeah, it would be a fun case to talk about. I mean a crime yeah. is still committed. We are a true crime podcast. sometimes we are not always about murder and disappearances sometimes and that's okay. Sometimes we get a happy ending. Yeah. For more happy endings, check us out on Facebook.
1: That's the first happy ending I've had in a long time.
0: Not that <sighs> kind of happy ending.
1: Just okay. Saying. Good
0: social media come hang out with us on instagram at unnatural the podcast we have a facebook page unnatural the true crime podcast you can also send us a gmail unnatural the podcast at gmail.com um, also consider signing up for our patreon page where you get early access to ad free episodes bonus content and more that is patreon.com slash unnatural the pod and as always uh. Be sure to <laughs> rate, to subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends. So we will talk to you next week.
1: Uh wow, a burp and then a hiccup.
0: Um, I saw a TikTok that said if you get the hiccups, um, something like I don't know if this is true. Um, hiccups was like a leftover bodily function from when we were fish.
1: Yeah, that that is true. I've heard that before.
0: Yeah. So what you have to do is when you have the hiccups and you can't get rid of them, you just tell yourself, I am not a fish, and they go away. And let me tell you what, I don't know if it was just a fluke thing, but I was driving home from work the other day. I had the hiccups. I couldn't get rid of them. So I said out loud, I am not a fish. I am not a fish. They were gone. Wow. They were gone. So.
1: <laughs> That's I. I don't know. I. I've never said I am not a fish to try and get rid of the hiccups. So well, next I, I can't time you say, get the
0: hiccups, say I am not a fish, and for see me, if I. Go away.
1: Okay, I will. For me, it's like holding my breath and swallowing. That usually gets rid of them.
0: Well, you I kind of look, look like, like, a, like fish a fish when do? I do it. Yeah.
1: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> Anyway, on that
0: note, make good choices
1: and don't get caught.
0: Bye. a few years before they had gotten divorced during one of their fights, Cynthia said she would kill him or have him killed, which I'm sure at the time, you know, just like we were talking about, he didn't take it seriously. You know, he thought it was probably just a heat of the moment. She's mad. She's yelling. These
1: things happen, right? Yeah. People say stuff like that. You said that to me at the end of the podcast last week. I did. Did I believe it? Maybe no. part of but me did. did you, but-, but-, <laughs> but
0: did you die? No, you're still here. With a tentative release date of February 2031.
1: Well, don't marry her when she gets out.
0: Well, I mean, she'll be like in her 70s. You know,
1: older women. All right. I'm saying there's a chance.